This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Well, the battle for the presidential election still isn't over. President Trump's re-election campaign has now filed a petition for a recount in two Wisconsin counties, Milwaukee and Dane, citing illegally altered absentee ballots. Attorney Lynn Wood, Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer, has filed an emergency motion for injunctive relief against the, uh, the Georgia Secretary of State, and that's pertaining to defective absentee ballots. But there's also been some terrible setbacks in the Trump campaign's fight to get every legal vote counted. We had the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturning that order requiring that election observers be allowed within six feet of ballot counting operations. It also found that the Philadelphia Board of Elections did not act contrary to the law in fashioning its regulations governing the positioning of candidate representatives. And what about that situation in Michigan? Monica Palmer, the chairwoman of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers, was one of two Republicans on that board who voted to deny certification of the election votes after noting that there were ballot discrepancies in Detroit. Shortly thereafter, a Democrat state representative-elect doxed her children and publicly called her a racist. And next thing you know, both Republican board members changed their votes to certify the election. So this is where we are, not just in a situation where there was obviously widespread voter fraud, but one in which thug-like tactics are increasingly being employed to silence and intimidate dissenters. And it's not just happening in Michigan and elsewhere. We also had progressive recently revealed the Trump Accountability Project, the compiling of a list of people associated with the Trump campaign. AOC has called for archiving Trump sycophants, and even Democrat Senator Richard Blumenthal this week called for Facebook to ban prominent conservative voices altogether. It is all adding up to something really scary. And what will it all mean for Christians? That's another question we're going to address and get some thoughts on it from Dr. Everett Piper, author of Not a Daycare, and he's written a great piece about this as a columnist over at the Washington Times. So glad to welcome you back, Dr. Piper. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on, Janet. Always great to talk to you. You say in your recent piece that the Democrats have a list and that's a fact. What are you observing out there? Well, you've cited a couple instances already, and these are verifiable quotes. They're actually tweeting this or they're putting it out on YouTube or Facebook or whatever social media they use. One example, I don't believe you cited it yet, was from Jennifer Rubin. She has said, and Jennifer Rubin works for the Washington Post, by the way, if people don't know, she has said this, quote unquote, any Republican now promoting rejection of an election or calling not to follow the will of the voters or making baseless allegations of fraud should never serve in office, join a corporate board, find a faculty position, or be accepted into polite society we have a list, close quote. Jennifer Rubin from the Washington Post. Yeah. And you cited the quote from AOC, so I won't repeat that. Here's one from Michael Simon of the Trump Accountability Project. Yes, we do have a list. Every administration staffer, campaign bundler, lawyer, and whoever represented them, meaning Trump, everyone, we have a list. 
And the list, and it goes on and on. Robert Wright, the former Labor Department Secretary under Bill Clinton and advisor to President Obama, said this. When this nightmare is over, we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and it would name every official, politician, executive, and media mogul whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe. Yep. These people are calling for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Does it ring... Does, do the words George or- Orwell ring true here, yeah. or Aldous Huxley or Ray Bad- Bradbury mean anything to these people? These dystopian tactics of keeping lists I know. and then calling for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to punish people for voting the wrong way and saying the wrong thing. Yeah, and Jennifer Rubin, you pointed out from the Washington Post, wasn't she always lauded as the token conservative at the Washington Post? I mean, that's been laughable for years. But you look at this quote that you've cited in your article from Jennifer Rubin, and you're thinking they're not even you know, feeling ashamed of the irony of trying to put her forward as some kind of conservative. I mean, she's, she's completely in the tank for the left and saying insane things like that, but she's not alone. That's what you're pointing out. Absolutely. And some of these things that they're saying move from just keeping a list to actually suggesting some sort of Bolshevik-type violence. You have Dick Costolo, the former CEO of Twitter, who said, me first capitalists are going to be the first people lined up against the wall and shot in the revolution, and I'll happily provide video commentary. And then you have the founder of Jacobin Magazine, which is the top publication for these Democrat socialists, Bushkar Sunkara, he said this, I think killing the little Romanov children was justified for the sake of the revolution. These people are actually implying violence against those of us who share different political views and different solutions for the, problem that, for the problems that face us. Yeah. And what's really, really troubling about it, not only are the comments in and of themselves troubling, but the fact that there are more and more people feeling emboldened to be able to say stuff like this because they know they'll get away with it. I mean, how come we haven't seen broad denouncements of this sort of speech from the Biden-Harris ticket or have we? Well, you know, the premise to my article is I it's a mea culpa. I posted something that was fake news. It was a quote from Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, in, in, on April 30th, 2020. I posted this, and I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the exact quote, but I'm going to tell everybody, they need to listen to me right now, this is fake, it's not accurate. But I'm going to tell you why I posted it without question, without thinking before I did so. Here's her quote, or her fake quote. And once he's gone and we have gained our rightful place in the White House, look out if you supported him and endorsed the, his actions, because we'll be coming for you next. You will feel the vengeance of a nation. No stone will be left unturned as we seek you out in every corner, for it is you who have betrayed us. I posted that, and then I quickly found out that it was fake news, that that's not an accurate quote, so I retracted it. But here's the point of my article. Why did I do that? And the reason I did that without questioning it before I posted it is it's so close (laughs) to everything else that is accurate. Jennifer Rubin, Dick Costolo. Bushkar Sankara, and and Keith Oberman. And the list goes on and on of these people who have said things that are as bad, if not worse, than what this fake quote from Harris was. But you know, in my article, I conclude by saying this. While my quote may not have been accurate, here's what is accurate. All these other quotes 
all these other statements from Democrats and their uh, useful idiots in the in the media. Yeah, yeah. The thing that is, but but here's the thing: Kamala Harris's silence is a fact. She's not condemning Jennifer Rubin or Keith Olbermann or Chris Hayes or Robert Reich. She's not condemning Dick Costolo. She's not condemning even the statement of her own boss, who has called conservative Christians virulent people, the dregs of society. He said that in a speech to the Human Rights Commission. She's not condemning any of that. And why should everybody care? And you know, this is what this is my point. I believe that it won't take Joe Biden's party, his own party, more than five minutes to declare him unfit to serve by virtue of dementia. And Kamala Harris is going to become the next president of the United States as the result of that. And when that happens, you can bet your bottom dollar. She has a list because everybody that's supporting her has told you that. Yeah. Well, right. She doesn't have to come out and say anything like that necessarily either. If you have people at the top saying certain things, it has a different effect than if everybody else says it and they just stay silent. I mean, this was in a way the, the, the kind of MO that we saw from Obama. He didn't want to come out and support so-called gay marriage initially, so he sent Biden out to do it. This is kind of how they do it. Absolutely. It's look over there fallacy. Okay, right. look over there. Don't pay attention to what I'm really doing. I'm going to tell you that I don't believe in gay, gay marriage, but over here I'm going to be working to make it legitimate, and as soon as it is, I'm going to celebrate it by lighting the White House up in rainbow colors. Ugh. Look over there. Yeah, Look yeah. over there, and that's exactly what Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are doing right now with regard to this call for lists and this call for retribution, and even an implied call for violence against those that supported Trump. Well, it's so scary. We're going to get into more of this with Dr. Everett Piper. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Janet Maffer today. Open enrollment is here, and choosing a health care program is an important decision for you and your family. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up now with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. You can find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis who are choosing between life and death for their preborn babies. Meet Sophie. At 22 weeks pregnant, Sophie was pressured by her mother and boyfriend to terminate her pregnancy. After meeting with a preborn counselor, she found the love and support she needed. After I had that first soldier sound and I saw her and I was looking at the pictures over and over and over again, that's when I decided I was going to stand up to my mother and tell her, no, I can't do an abortion. Sophie chose life and now she's awaiting the birth of her baby girl. 
Every day, Preborn is on the front lines fighting Planned Parenthood to help young moms just like Sophie to choose life. For a gift of $140 today, you can help to rescue five babies' lives. And now through a matching gift, your gift will be doubled, rescuing 10 babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, does it bother you yet that the left has a list? They say they have a list. Dr. Everett Piper, Washington Times columnist and author of Not a Daycare, has gone through a lot of these quotes that the left has been uttering pertaining to the list of Trump enemies that they're compiling. And it's just undeniable that it's out there. The question is, what happens from here? Here's another example of this, Dr. Piper. Bill Pascrell, who represents the 9th District of New Jersey in the House of Representatives, had this little meme that he put out on Twitter this week, and it says, Pascrell demands investigation, prosecution of Trump government crimes. Unprecedented litany of misdeeds must not be swept under the rug. This really, to me, speaks about the unhinged nature of these people, because if they are able to triumph in the presidential election, which right now it looks pretty likely that they will in the end, which is a whole nother story, it's not enough for some of these people that Trump loses. It's like going after the quarterback and the old joke about now I'm going to go after his mother. Like, it's not enough for me to tackle him. I got to go after his family now. What, what do you make of this? You have members of the House of Representatives just on this endless witch hunt against this man, Donald Trump, even after he leaves office, apparently. Uh, they have a bloodlust for, for, uh, for payback, really. And again, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are not saying anything against it. So their silence screams complicity. In fact, I think of the quote that some people say is attributed to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. I'll I'll repeat that. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. So when Joe Biden is silent on this call for lists, this call for retribution, this call for payback, this call to prosecute Donald Trump and his supporters, when Kamala Harris is silent. Likewise, it screams complicity. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And calling for this type of retribution against political opponents is evil. This is not the United States that we're talking about here. It sounds like we're talking about a banana republic. It sounds like the Soviet Union. I feel like I want to queue up the Beatles back to the USSR while we're talking about this nonsense. I know, I know. And there are a lot of people who don't remember the old USSR, and so they don't have any frame of reference other than history books they don't read or history books that are of the Howard Zinn variety, and so they don't really get the full story. And this is really what is troubling to me, not only this rhetoric and the ramping up of the rhetoric, as I mentioned before, the complicity of silence, but we already have this issue of violence, Dr. Piper. We saw, for example, several Trump supporters murdered in the streets before the election. That kind of came and went quickly. Then you had the attacks on Trump supporters at the pro-Trump march over the weekend in Washington, D.C. I didn't see the left announcing Antifa. I've never seen them. And, you know, even in the debates, you had these moderators calling for President Trump to continually denounce white supremacists, which he's done about 35 times now, but no calls for Joe Biden to denounce Antifa. What does that say to you when they won't even pose the question? It it means that they actually agree with the actions of Antifa. If they're not going to ask, if they're not going to bring to light 
the violence of Antifa and the violence of Black Lives Matter. Not let's not just stop with Antifa. BLM has been very violent, yeah. and nobody wants to talk about it because to do so risks being labeled a racist. Just because you're going to criticize an organization that's a neo-Marxist movement and calls for violent overthrow, that makes you a racist. And people are so afraid of being called that that they won't venture into a, to a pursuit of truth and actually investigate the things and report the things that matter, even violence against your opponents. I think of Keith, Keith Olbermann's quote. It's a perfect summary of what we're talking about here. He comes completely unhinged, to use your words. Here's a quote from Keith Olbermann, the former ESPN and MSNBC commentator. The quote, so let us brace ourselves. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured, and then he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society. The fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for the moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage and then try to clean up what they left. And remember, the fight does not end on November 3rd, but in many ways will only begin on that day. Does that sound like a call for violent overthrow? It sure does to me. Yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. And this, of course, leads us into a further question, because I know you and I have talked about this before. For example, if Biden does end up getting sworn in as president, Uh, We have the looming Equality Act in front of us, for example. This is just one example of many of what they want to implement. The left does when they get uh, power back. And they may well have power in all three branches of government. We'll see what happens. I I shouldn't say three branches of government, but the Senate and the House of Representatives and the White House. Of course, we have a good Supreme Court at the moment. But when we look at what is going on with all of this, the Equality Act is going to be a full-scale attack on the Christian church. This is another important part of all of this, of what we're discussing. Christians will be absolutely on this list, will they not? Absolutely. The Equality Act will make the practice of Christian morality in the public square and in the corporate world and on the college campus illegal. The Equality Act will make it illegal for you to hire, for you to engage in the public square on the basis of your 2,000-year-old standards for Christian morality. Uh, Adoption agencies, colleges and universities, corporate boards will not be able to make decisions, nor will they even be able to discuss the moral standards that have been a foundation for your faith and mine. The Mm -hmm. Equality Act will make that illegal. And Pelosi has said it's the first thing she wants passed, Biden has said it's the first thing that he will pass. Harris has supported it, lock, stock, and barrel. The only thing standing in the way of that being the law of the land right now would be Mitch McConnell. We need to pray that Mitch McConnell becomes the most powerful man in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't put up with that. But, you know, when we're looking at the leftist evangelical complicity in all of this, and I know this is a little bit deeper than we have time to get much into, but it is important because we have a lot of these leftist evangelicals who have been really pro-Biden, pro-Harris all along, if not outright, you know, support. Supporters publicly of of that particular ticket. They're always saying, you know, Trump's the worst and evangelicals are dumb and this kind of thing. What, what do you make of being at this moment in history 
and having so many people in powerful positions in evangelical circles not speaking about it and, in fact, looking as if it's okay with them? Uh, They're not evangelicals. Let's just cut to the chase. You can't claim to be evangelical, to believe in the evangel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the inerrancy of the Word of God, the Bible being your ultimate authority on all of life, including morality and how you live in the public square. You cannot claim to be an evangelical and still support a party that believes that butchering babies five seconds before they're born is okay, and selling their body parts for profit is okay, and engaging in sodomy is a moral good to be celebrated. Don't tell me you're an evangelical Christian, yep. and, if, and then if you're going to support those political agendas. Amen. I agree with you. And I think, you know, I think a lot of Christians feel like we're being attacked from all sides, and there really is a spiritual component to it. It really does feel very satanic, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, and I think a lot of people do believe that. What do you think, when it comes down to it, Dr. Piper, that all of this means? When we're seeing the compiling of the lists, we're putting in the context of understanding that the communism of old, What does it all mean? Where is this headed? What do we do about it? Really, not just politically, but also as Christians. Well, we know that the the Bible tells us that in the end times, and I I don't know what that means. Does the end times mean it's uh, where the end times are right in the middle of it right now, and and Christ is going to return tomorrow? I don't know. That's possible. Or could it be another 50 years? I don't know. But the point is, uh, I think the best way for me to answer your question quickly is to quote our good friend Jim Garlow, a former pastor of Skyline Wesleyan Church in San Diego, um, now the leader of Well-Versed, a golden-tongued or- orator in his own right and a fighter for the gospel and for the freedom of- that we enjoy in the United States. In the midst of all of this mess, Garlow has a perfect quote, and here it is. What a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, and you know Garlo, and you yep. know he means it. Yep. What a wonderful time to be alive. The battle lines are clear. It's not mushy. It's not fuzzy. We know what we need to do as followers of Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful time to be alive that God has charged us to be here for such a time as this so that he can redeem this evil for good through the obedient body of Jesus Christ, his church. What a wonderful time to be alive. I love that. I do love Jim Garlow, and I love that you brought up that quote. But what I also appreciate about you being the one to say that and to, you know, reiterate that quote is because I know you, that you are a fighter. You're not one of those Christians who says, ah, God's sovereign, just don't worry about it. I mean, you are the last person I would probably put on the list of people who are just indifferent to what's going on all around us. What you're really talking about is an absolute trust in the living God in the midst of circumstances that we continue to have to put forward and inform people about. We, we have to do both and, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, the, the story of Joseph, what others intend for evil, God would redeem for good. I already quoted the passage out of Esther um, uh, for such a time as this. Uh, Job, though he slay me, yet will I worship him. And then Paul, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. All of those things mean it's your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to roll up your sleeves, get to work, and then trust God's sovereignty in the midst of the battle. And then say, in the face of great adversity, what a wonderful time to be alive, not to speak as to speak, not to act as to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. And then to quote Churchill, 
never give up. Hmm. Never give up. Never give up. It is our responsibility to fight. Perfect. I couldn't say it any better than Dr. Everett Piper. Check out his work over at WashingtonTimes.com. Thank you again, Dr. Piper. Praying for you and glad to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me on. Blessings. You, You bet. Blessings to you. And we'll be back right after this. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. You know, for a long time, we have talked about the left's view of the Constitution. They're not originalists. They believe that the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And it really doesn't matter what is written down in the Constitution. They don't care about that because times change and progress. And so that's how you get activist liberal judges inventing things like redefined marriage. You know, it's a living, breathing document. Now they seem to enjoy doing this to the law. This is one of my growing questions. How in the world do you preserve a republic when you no longer care what the law says? Of course, we've had lawbreakers from time immemorial, but just it seems to be growing. It seems to be more and more the case that people on the left increasingly really don't care what the law says. And there are a lot of them. They don't care. I've been pondering this actually for the last several days. Because I thought to myself, all of these allegations about voter fraud related to the software, the Dominion voting systems and and Smartmatic and all of the illegal ballots that have been found from dead people and and, you know, ballots that were given out twice and all the things that you've been hearing about in the news. In order to pull off a lot of this stuff, you have to have an awful lot of complicit people. It's not just a couple of evil people at the top who are pulling this off stealthily. They have a lot of willing accomplices. And this leads me to really reflect on the fact that we are a nation that is absolutely lost. I'm not saying every single person in the United States is lost. Not at all. There are a lot of God's people in this country whom he loves, who are serving the Lord faithfully, who are preaching the gospel, who are staying true to the word of God. And let's all support each other and pray for each other at a time like this and pray that the Lord will increase our tribe because we need more Christians and people need to be saved. But the bottom line is when you have a country that is just so corrupt And it's such a widespread problem. I often talk about the United States just kind of going down into a moral sewer. How do you bring people back to their right minds? How do you bring people back to their right minds? Some of them, I would argue, were never in their right minds to begin with. So you can't bring people back to a right mind if he was never there in the first place. But when you have so many people who are just plain blinded. Have you ever had this experience? You sit down with somebody who may be on the other side of an issue than you are, and you try to reason with these people. And it's like banging your head against a brick wall. You stop because it feels so good when you stop. I have experienced this my entire life, and it seems to be getting worse. Doesn't mean that we don't reach out to people who have different points of view, but it sure is frustrating. You get to the point where you understand why Jesus told the disciples, if you go into a town and you're preaching the gospel and they won't receive it, shake the dust off your feet and get out of there. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. 
Why would you waste your time with people who just don't want to hear it? Now, this brings me to some of the latest stuff about the election and the fight in the election. I mentioned just a little bit ago what's going on with the Trump campaign trying to get a recount in some of these counties in Michigan and, you know, um, Wisconsin, I should say. There's so much to keep track of. Here's something that the Federalists reported going on in Nevada. Now, you know, Nevada has had problems with election security. It's had problems with voter fraud. They mailed absentee ballots to every registered voter, even though not everybody requested an absentee ballot. And then they got back eight times as many mail-in ballots as they did four years ago. I'm sure that was just completely happenstance, right? Now there's another less sensational, but perhaps more consequential election scandal in Nevada that hasn't yet made headlines. It's this. Under the guise of supposedly nonprofit, nonpartisan get out the vote campaigns, Native American voter advocacy groups in Nevada handed out gift cards, electronics, clothing, and other items to voters in tribal areas, in many cases documenting the exchange of ballots for prizes on their own Facebook pages, sometimes even while wearing official Joe Biden campaign gear. And yes, dear listener, this is illegal. Offering voters anything of value in exchange for their vote is a violation of federal election law. And in some cases, you can get two years in prison for doing it, or you could pay up to $10,000 in fines. And that also includes things like free food, free T-shirts, all of that stuff. So you've got to get out the vote effort in Nevada that was completely criminal. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? You know, the, the, the ends justify the means, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you just blatantly violate the law. This is the stuff of Chicago. This is where I grew up. This is the stuff of the machine in Chicago. And as you know, we have the re-rise of Obama. Aren't you glad to see him back? I mean, he brought the whole Chicago machine mentality into Washington, D.C., and it's never left. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. Yes, he was kind of on the down low in the last few years. Not enough, in my opinion. But he's back because his VP is now on the precipice of becoming the president of the United States. You really think Obama had nothing to do with everything that's going on right now? Not a chance. Not a chance. So keep in mind all of the moving parts here. Now, Pennsylvania, as I mentioned not too long ago on this broadcast, their Supreme Court did something totally maddening this week, overturning this order that the observers of the election should be able to be within six feet of people who are counting ballots. And they said state law only requires that observers be allowed in the room. Oh, that's reasonable. Sure, that's reasonable. I'll be in a room, just a gigantic room where I'm 50 feet away. Sure, I can see exactly what the ballot says from 50 feet away. These kinds of things are very frustrating. Something that Tom Fitton, who is the head of Judicial Watch, addressed in an interview on Fox when he was asked, what is the most disturbing fraud allegation that he's seen so far and what will the impact be? This is what he had to say. Cut one. Well, it's up in Pennsylvania. It's the structural fraud that they were counting in a way that we can't be assured uh, that the count was legitimate. And that it's affected at least 650,000 ballots that were counted effectively away from the prying eyes of uh, anyone who would have an interest in it, namely the president's uh, uh, campaign. So those ballots are are suspect. Uh, You had the delay in counting, which is a suspect. You have the counting that changes results from the election day that is suspect. And uh, if I'm in Pennsylvania and I'm a court, I would be worried about blessing a process that is so rife with apparent opportunities for fraud. 
And remember, in the end, it's the state legislature of Pennsylvania under the Constitution that decides whether to bless this mess or not. And then subsequently, it's Congress that decides whether to take up electoral college votes and bless them, despite the evidence of a, a, a blown election in Pennsylvania in terms of the processes caused by having, as you pointed out, uh, all these mailed ballots coming in and flooding the system in right. a way that they knew was going to break it. And don't care. They don't care. Now, Andy McCarthy of National Review also was interviewed, and he was asked, how do you see this whole thing playing out? This is cut to. Well, I think it, it's probably not going to play out for too much longer. It's got, uh, you know, we have a real deadline here under federal law of between December 8th and December 14th. And I think that the problem that the president faces is they are going to be able to prove instances of fraud. If they weren't, this would be the first election in the history of elections that didn't have <laughs> right. some fraud. But there's a, the, the problem they have is there's a, mit, a mismatch between the remedy they're asking for and what they're going to be able to prove. So I think, you know, as Tom is mentioning, there, there's uh, under a cloud probably about 650,000, 680,000, something like that, votes in uh, Pennsylvania. There's 1.2 million in Michigan. There's no way the courts are going to throw out the hundreds of thousands of votes in any one county because of suspect fraud. What they may do is allow more scrutiny of the pile of votes that's suspect. And if you can knock out individual particularized ballots right. because of their irregularities, you'll be able to do that. But the thing is, they're, they're so far behind in Pennsylvania and Michigan that I think it's too high a mountain to climb. Yeah, but well, this is what is so disturbing about it is the time crunch. I mean, there are a lot of things that are disturbing about it as a whole, but the time crunch is very important because, as he mentioned, you, you're talking about early to mid-December. Everything's going to got to be locked down and we have to know who won the election. Now, it's interesting to note that way back when, apparently, uh, it was not a January inauguration. It was pushed back to March. So conceivably, you could have a later inauguration, but that's never going to happen. I don't believe that's ever going to happen. I don't know how they're ever going to be able to win this and it's very depressing to see how this is all playing out it's not over yet though we're going to talk about some of that when we come back you're listening to janet meffer today Open enrollment is here, and choosing a health care program is an important decision for you and your family. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up now with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. You can find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT.
This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? Good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal? Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's Word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. We're talking about some of the latest with all of the voter fraud fight, and it is very disturbing. I've been very impressed with Sidney Powell, General Flynn's attorney who has been on the front lines here and talked about the fact that she's going to release the Kraken and she's going to get out all of this information about this voter fraud and uh, particularly with this Dominion voting systems that's been used. It's just unbelievable. Rudy Giuliani had said, this is a quote from him, the software that they use is done by a company called Smartmatic and this is a company founded by Hugo Chavez, you know that name, from Venezuela, and by his two allies who still own it. It's been used to cheat in elections in South America. It was banned by the United States about a decade ago. It's come back now as a subcontractor to other companies to sort of hide in the weeds. Now, here's the thing. If you have all of this systematic changing of votes and and discarding of votes, you not only have to get to the bottom of that, but you have to get to the bottom of that for future elections to even mean anything. And I think that's where the real scary part comes in for all, in all of this is that the left wants to just be in charge permanently. They never want you to be able to have any sort of say in what kind of country you want to have other than what they want to have. You have to go along with it or else perhaps your vote won't count at all. What, what kind of confidence should any of us have going to the polls in the future if this is not dealt with? Every single instance of it needs to be dealt with. Now, will it go to the Supreme Court? We're, we're seeing some pretty discouraging things going on in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania. And, and by the way, I want to get to that, too. Because this really, really should bother you. I had made reference to this a little bit earlier, but you had those Republicans on the Wayne County Board of Canvassers in Michigan who decided initially that they did they did not want to certify the vote tallies because they had some questions about irregularities in Detroit. Now, Detroit, a mainly black city. So this gives the left the opportunity to scream racism, which they did, uh, including Representative Rashida Tlaib. Who, who got on the racist bandwagon. Now, here's where it got really disturbing. There is a Democrat representative-elect. His name is Abraham Ayesh. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's from Wayne County. He went on a Zoom call. There were a couple of them who did this, but I want to play a little bit of his threat here. This is what this Abraham Ayesh from Wayne County did, talking about one of these Republican canvas board member. She's actually the chairwoman, Monica Palmer. He went on this Zoom call and this is what he said. Listen to cut four. Know the facts. You as a board of canvassers do not decide 
who are who is to be elected. The voters do. Know the facts. You are standing here today telling folks that black Detroit should not have their votes counted. And know the facts. You are certainly showing that you are a racist. You may say that you are not. You may claim that you are not. But let's be very clear. Your words today and your actions today made it clear that you are okay with silencing the votes of an 80% African-American city. And what that tells us is you, Miss Monica Palmer from Gross Point Woods, which has a history of racism, are deciding to enable and continue to perpetuate the racist history of this country. It just makes my blood boil. Does it make your blood boil? Yes. So he gets mad at her, not over her alleged racism, which we have no evidence of whatsoever, but her unwillingness to certify the results of an election when she sees irregularities, which, by the way, there were. Just call her a racist. Just scare her. Oh, and then dox her children. Listen to cut five. And I want you to think about what that means for your kids who probably go to Gross Point North. And when they see all their black classmates. Nice, huh? Just dox the kids. Oh, it's just going to be unfortunate for your family or your kids who go to this school. Apparently, according to some chatter on Twitter, he knows people in the school system. So they were surmising that perhaps he had the information because he had someone on the inside who knew where the kids went. Nice. This is now passing for appropriate behavior for elected officials. Sure. Why not? Look at what these people are getting away with. Look what Rashida Tlaib and the the whole uh, group of women who are involved in that, the squad, Ilhan Omar. Why isn't Ilhan Omar thrown out of office for her uh, immigration fraud with marrying her brother and, and all of the financial impropriety that's been proven? Why isn't she thrown out of office? Because nothing happens to you if you're on the left. Why aren't the Clintons prosecuted? I don't know. The rule of law means nothing when it comes to a lot of these people, and that's the way they like it. But they will turn around like this congressman from New Jersey and immediately call for an investigation into the Trump administration's alleged government crimes. Like I said, you go after the quarterback and then when you sack him, you go after his family. That's what it that's what life on the left is like. And you better worry about it, not in the existential sense, because ultimately we fear God and we don't worry because he has everything under control. But in the sense as American citizens that we have to pay attention to these developments. Uh, It's it's incredible. And why would anybody vote in the future? Are we at that point where. It's just not even worth it to go and vote. Maybe in your state that doesn't have dominion, it would be fine. But do you trust all these people who are working at these polling places? Do you know who's actually responsible for making sure that your vote was counted as recorded on the ballot? Or we have to go back to hand ballots and then you have to, I don't know, when you lose trust in the system, you lose the system, don't you? And you lose your republic. If your elections mean nothing, How do you have a republic anymore? And people are beginning to hone in on this. Now, this was interesting. There was a piece by Alan Dershowitz over at Gatestone Institute, which I found to be a little bit interesting. Trump's only road to victory. And he's just approaching this as somebody, you know, a lawyer who understands the constitutional issues. But listen to this, because this is kind of good food for thought. President Trump has only one road to victory, and it would require a perfect storm that at this moment seems unlikely. The goal of the Trump legal team isn't to get 270 electoral votes. That seems beyond the realm of all possibility. The goal is to question Biden's 270. 
And since this is a zero-sum game, how is it possible for Biden to be denied the 270 without Trump reaching that number? The answer to that question provides the clue to what the Trump legal team is trying to do. If enough electoral votes are still being contested by mid-December and if fewer than 270 electors are certified by their respective states by that date, then Biden could, in theory, be denied the necessary 270. If that were to happen, then the election would be thrown into the House of Representatives. That's actually happened in the 19th century uh, several, several times. Under the Constitution, the House votes for president, not by individual members, but by state delegations. Each state gets one vote, and so 26 states are required to elect a president. Although there are more Democrats than Republicans in the House of Representatives, there are more states with a majority of Republican representatives. Accordingly, if the election were to go to the House, the Republicans would determine the next president. Oh, that would make the left even more nuts. He says he's not advocating the strategy. He's not approving it. He's just saying the Constitution allows for it. And he says this possibility dictates the strategy being pursued by the Trump legal team. He says he's not condemning the lawyers of Trump who are seeking to implement this strategy. Listen to this. He says, I just received an email asking me to sign a petition demanding the disbarment of President Trump's lawyers for their advocacy. Well, yeah, you already had those lawyers who were going to defend Trump and then they backed out and then somebody found out, hey, listen, they have links to some of these uh, Chinese Communist Party firms. That's kind of interesting. Some of these companies. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But can you imagine people saying, let's disbar Sidney Powell, let's disbar Rudy Giuliani, let's disbar these lawyers who are trying to fight to make sure that the election was fair? Nobody wants to steal the election on the right. They just want a fair election. They just want every legal vote to be counted and illegal votes to be thrown out. And both sides ought to want that. And the fact that you can't get one side to actually say, yeah, I agree with that should scare you. It should scare you. Because this is new stuff for the United States of America. We have always had at least publicly agreement between the parties, the two major parties, that we want free and fair elections. And peaceful transfer of power has always been the unique hallmark of the United States in the history of world governments. We have peaceful transfers of power. We haven't had civil wars to change kings or anything like that. We have a republic that has worked. How do you continue to have a republic that works? If you have one side that's just completely out of control, you can't. I'll just say it right there. You can't. So it's important that these legal fights go forward, but it's important for you as an American citizen to be informed about what is going on out there and to be involved where you are in your own town, in your own city, in your own state. It's so important. It's never been more important to get involved because our republic really is at stake in these days and we need to continue to pray for our country as well. So keep up your prayers. The Lord does listen and he does care and he especially cares about us. We are his people. We're going to leave it there. We thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time right here on Janet Mefford Today.